Welcome to Lubbock Unified Messages on the Go. I'm Pastor Furman. As always, we just want to say thank you for joining us. This message is from this past Sunday. We pray that it will bless you today. Um, you can come and find us, 2707 34th Street. We would love to have you on a Sunday in person at 1030. But other than that, man, let's keep seeking the Lord together. God bless. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? First time here, man, you are excited. For you to be here, it's a special day, baptism, potluck Sunday. But I also put my brother from another mother's bringing the word today. And it's not Felix, okay? Not Felix. Are oh, you put that in there, Felix? Oh, brother, doing too much. Um, but I want to write right now, my brother, you make a round of applause for Brother Lance. I'm excited for him to bring the word. We go back a long way. So it's just really you, man. You just do your thing and let the Lord have this. How y'all doing? I uh, wanted to thank y'all for one, letting me into this church. It's a very, very precious thing to get pulpit and to be trusted with that stewardship, right? Um, I feel like. You might want to cry a little bit, hear me cry a little bit, because it's a big moment for me. Um, I preached a lot of places, in jail, out of jail, um, led a lot of studies, but when God conditionally called me, He told me I'm calling you to preach, teach, and guide my children as you make your way to Jerusalem. And I knew at some point I was going to be in this position on a Sunday. I didn't know when, but at that time, when He told me, I was like, oh, this is happening this year. <laughs> you know, I was ready, but I wasn't. Um, so this is a prayer and a promise that God's given me that's coming to fruition. And I am, and this isn't about me, I'm saying I am overly joyous to be able to share that moment with y'all. Um, God ordains everything, right? Um, this church, since I've been here, is filled with so much love and compassion. Um, we had a prayer room before we got here, and I was just in tears. The love that is here, is the love that Jesus talked about. Right? I see <laughs> that when he says, I didn't come for the healthy, I come for the sick. Right? We all have things we're struggling to deal with. And when we try to battle that alone, we'll, we'll lose. And seeing a church where we come together and we pray for things and we talk about things that are deep, and you bring things out. And this all happened in the constraint of 15 minutes of being in the room, you know? <laughs> you know? That's amazing. When most churches, it's surface level, right? So I'm not trying to bash the churches. What I'm saying is, y'all have something beautiful here. Hold on to that. And the last thing I want to say before I get into this, that prayer wall back there, God kind of led me over there to look at it. So many beautiful prayers. But one of them stuck out to me, so if I call out your prayer in this paper, I'm sorry, but talk about that. <laughs> There's a paper up there, sticky note, and then there's another sticky note on top of it. I didn't read the one behind it, but the front one says, it's me again. My mom said, amen. Asking for myself, please keep me grounded. This takes me back to when God said, come to me as a small child, right? The parable of the persistent widow. Keep praying. Keep asking. There's one sticky note up there. She came back and said, hey, I need to put another one up there, right? That's faith. 
That's a small child coming up and saying, I need this because I can't do it for myself. Right? You're a great father. And I'm not tall enough to reach a cookie, so can you please give me one? <laughs> you know? So, to get into this, this message is called Return to Your First Love. We want to talk about the church of Ephesus and Revelation, that's what we're going to get into in a minute. Um, they had a lot of good things going for them, but Jesus gives a warning you need to return to your first love because you fall away from that. Right? So we can be doing all the things, doing all the studies, doing all the groups, but like Scripture says, if it's without love, it's meaningless. Right? So Jesus admonishes this church for all the good things they're doing. But then he says, where's the love? Right? I know you say you love me, but where's that love you're having set on fire for me? Right? So when we first met our husbands and wives, what did that look like? When you first dated them, the things you were doing with them, the efforts you were making, the text messages you were sending, the calls you were doing, and you hang up, I'll hang up, all that, right? And I'm looking at my life right now, and I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit because there's things I've found away from. Right? But how easy is that for life to get in the way? And then we push love to the side. <laughs> I'm going to cry for this whole message. We have to get back to that. Because I can take her out on a date. I can go places with her. I can come in and say, hey, are you okay? But if there's no love, what is it? Meaningless. Right? That's all actions. And she might receive that as love. But that moment that I actually ground myself and come and submit myself and say, hey, I want to sit down and talk to you. She's going to feel an amount of love that she's not felt in those other things. Right? Same as with Jesus in our prayers and the way we talk to him. We can throw up prayers all we want. I can walk and talk to him in my mind and in my head. But if I'm not really sitting down to date the bridegroom, what am I doing? That relationship's going to fall apart. There's going to be a separation. And one day when I'm talking to him, I'm going to realize I'm not walking with him. And there's going to be a dryness and emptiness. Now, I'm not trying to put doom and gloom. But this is the issue that Jesus calls out from this church. And I know right now it's kind of like, that's heavy. We'll get into the happy stuff in a minute. <laughs> Revelation 2, 1-7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven of the golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate the people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have preserved and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. Amazing. You, you get this, this wonderful feeling. Like we don't always say things, and Jesus says, hold on. Because there is one thing that I want you to correct. Right? All those things are great, but if you don't do this one thing, none of that matters. Right? You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. So... 
He says he's going to remove the lampstand from that place if they don't fix this. The lampstand in Scripture is represented as the light of the church, the angel that's placed over that church, right? The spirit of the church. Right? It's the whole reason the church is there in place in the gathering, right? And he's saying, you're close to the point where if you don't fix this, it's such a detrimental thing to me that I'm going to pull it out, right? I don't want you doing these things out of just because, out of habit, out of tradition, out of religion. I want love. Because if you cannot attain that, then you're no better than the Nicolaitans and no better than the other people, right? The, the non-believers. And to just kind of give you a pinpoint of what the Nicolaitans do, a lot of people don't know, they were a set of people that believed in God, but profaned his name as character. So they would have orgies. They would get drunk. They would cut themselves. They would go out and send money frivolously, not care for the sick, not feed the hungry, right? So he's saying, when you don't have love, this is your path. This is what you're faulted. Right? So it's important for us to have that love that this church has. And I love seeing that here. Because not only are you doing the things that Christ admonished, but you're doing the things that he warned, warned Ephesus about. And if you ask me right now, he's warning the world about. Where's the love at? You're so worried about lines. You're so worried about traditions and what people are doing and not doing. Where's the love you have? Pardon me, I forgot to start my time. <laughs> so don't go over it. Um, there's a picture of the, the uh, in Ephesus, the Temple of Artemis, just to give you an idea of what it would have been like to have a church at that time. Um, a church of the gathering of, of God and God's name would have been a small contingency of people, right? In comparison to the world gathering of multi-deity gods and multi-theistic, right? There's a god of this and a god of the carpet and a god of the chair, you know, and he's got everything. Um, so they had this great building, and over 50 more gods and goddesses were worshipped in Ephesus. So it's very true for Jesus to say, I know how you persevered, right? Not only do you believe and you're pushing forward, but you're doing this in the face of so many other religions that you could turn to. You're doing this in the face of so many other things that look shiny, that look fun, they have the big buildings and the big marble and this and that, but you still turn to me, right? So Paul, when he went to Ephesus, he, he, he poured himself out for these people, right? And we're talking about the same ones that God said, don't forget the love, right? But they were doing all these other things. And when Paul went there, he not only was there great miracles where napkins and handkerchiefs that were used by Paul were then taken to someone else and someone was killed just by touching it, right? And then you have Paul who says, I cried night and day. He says, remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears, right? What would he have been warning him about? Not only the, the religious people there and all the other sects and things that they live there, but I believe that he is also, because this is how the Bible works, God calls us to speak about things that are coming, right? Warn the world, right? So maybe if Paul, the Paul that was preaching the gospel at that time was warning, get to your first love, 
go back to it, right? So that way, in Revelation, when we have Jesus say those things, this has already been something that the Spirit's been sent to your church to say, right? And here, you'll have that, right? I'm not saying perfect. There might be things that we're missing here and there, but we always need to hear this again. Don't stray from that love. Another part of Scripture says that if you're prophesying <laughs> and you're speaking in tongues, but it's without love, it's like a banging symbol. Just annoying. Right? Loud flashing and going. Has anybody ever heard a false prophet? Go to TikTok. Go to YouTube. Go to Facebook. The Lord said that November this and that, that we're going to get raptured. November this and that. Then something happens. Right? It's not a prophet. It's false. But it's annoying. And to some, it's flashing. It's sketchy. And then they share that message, right? And now you have a lot of people believing something that's not biblical. And it just draws us further away from the love that we have to God, right? We're called to test prophets. We're called to test and make sure that the words they say are true and real, right? That's where there should be accountability prophecy. If you're prophesying things and no one's checking you on it, or you're not posting and putting, hey, this is a confirmation of this, then your words are amazing simple, right? So if you call yourself a prophet, I'm a apostle this, I'm a prophet that, but you don't want to be checked, you don't allow anybody to question or ask yourself, Probably a symbol. Yeah? So moving in, it was also a mixture of cultures, rich, poor, high, and low, a foreshadowing of the body of Christ. So the early church in Ephesus had everybody in it, which is also what I see here. All cultures, all backgrounds, everything. I have a, I have a shattered background. I did things I'm not proud of. I hurt people very badly. But yet God's let me stand here preaching to the church. Because you serve a great God. There are people here. <laughs> this little lady, I'm going to call you out. I know you're shy. <laughs> she's got words in her. She's got a message that she's going to bring. She reminds me of Moses. God told Moses to go do all these things, and Moses said, I don't talk to it. I said, okay, cool, give me your excuse, but I'm going to send Aaron with you. You tell Aaron and Aaron, I said, one way or another, you're going to do what I ask you to. Right? Because that's your calling. There are preachers here. There are people that are going to do great moves of God. And I'm not just saying that to say that. There are people here that have healing in their hands and don't know. There are people that have the power to pray over people and sicknesses be taken away, but don't know. Right? But when we fellowship and gather and love one another and everything's grounded in love, and you see somebody who has a pain in their arm or a pain in their leg, and you're moved by compassion like Jesus said, and you say, I'm going to pray over this because I just want you to be better, that's the activation of the Spirit that then puts that gift into action. Right? But is that going to happen in a church or in a place that has a lack of love? Right? So it's not so much always that the church lacks the love, that maybe you're not getting the love put into you, right? Where we put ourselves and who we place ourselves around are very important. If I put myself around people who don't edify and don't exhort and don't raise up the gifts and the things that we can do and the love for one another and the caring for one another, chances are I'm probably not going to be praying or doing any of that, right? But if we're in a spirit-filled church, 
one that believes the Holy Spirit is alive and well, and that he can still move and make tongues of fire come down. When someone's in pain, what are the chances that someone jumps up and says, I believe the Holy Spirit can do this, right? Not me, but maybe the Holy Spirit, right? Maybe not me, but maybe the Holy Spirit. He's going to jump in and he's going to do what I can't do, right? Because we serve a great God that gave us gifts and poured out the Holy Spirit with his life on the cross. Amen. Not for us to just treat it as common, right? The Holy Spirit is something that's just magnificent. And if you've ever been moved by the Spirit, you know the words and things you did were not of your own. Right? And you can say, yeah, I did that, but then I turned around and I did all this. You're human. Right? You make mistakes. But that's the beauty of repentance. The minute you say, God, I'm sorry, I repent. And not just come. Right? I'm sorry, I repent. I, I truly did not want to do this. I made a second time. As you're saying that, Scripture says the time will come when you'll pray for things and it's already been answered before you pray for it. Right? We're in that time. So as you're repenting, God's like, dude, what are you talking about? I don't even remember what you're talking about right now. Right? But well, yeah, but you don't understand. You're like, I did this. <laughs> God's like, I don't, you don't get it. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm blind to you. Because he says, I will wipe your sins as far as Jesus is in the list. Right? Does anybody know how hard it is? <laughs> so... Acts 19.8.9 Paul sought people who believed first when he went to a town. And he preached first in synagogues, which is the Jewish churches, basically. Until he was thrown out. Many threw away their idols and abandoned magic arts, which caused waves in the cities given over to a goddess and gods. He would find people who believed. Find people who were certified in their faith, right? Ignite a fire in them. Send them out. And then he would go to the synagogues and the churches that were stuck in tradition and stuck in the bondage and the chains of this is what we do every day. We have to do this, we have to do that. And he would come in and be an ember and a fire to set that place on fire. And eventually people would get tired and say, You gotta go. <laughs> you're causing too many problems. The worship that people give me from being up here, you're taking that. Right? And I'm going to speak on how many pastors adore that worship. How many pastors are abusing and beating sheep rather than feeding and loving them. Right? And this is why Paul, the same as Jesus, was always an issue when it came to tradition. Because he did things on tradition. Tradition has a place. There's things that we should do in remembrance. But just like Jesus said... If it's the Sabbath, and traditionally we call rest on that, but you see a, a, a donkey or something like Henry said falls into a ditch, would you not go stop that and help that? If you see a man that's dying, would you allow tradition to, life, to allow that man to take his last breath, or would you go and help him? Right? So there has to come a time where love transcends tradition. Great moves of God were done. We talked about that in this church. Um, this is one of my favorite scriptures, the Sons of Sceva. Is anybody familiar with that? I'm going to read it. This is uh, something that always hits me right in the chest, right? Because it's not only something that I'm preaching to you, it's something that God's speaking to me and saying, you better make sure you're mine, right? I, I work in deliverance and spiritual warfare. That's one of the ministries he's called me to, and it is Jerusalem and others sometimes. And people think it's 
you know, come out of that man, and here's your holy water, and the head's singing, and throwing out the hair, and that, that's how they glorify it in, in, in Hollywood, right? Spiritual deliverance sometimes is getting in the river of suffering with someone and not getting out to the right. Spiritual deliverance is, hey, I just made all this money and got it in savings, but God says this family is struggling, give it to them. Right? Well, what about this person we're asking for? They're asking us, read. These people need it because they're actually pursuing me and they don't have it. And I've, and I've allowed you to have this finance so that you can help them. Because it's not my money. It's not your money. It's God's, right? So, spiritual deliverance also, when you're in warfare and prayer, you're going to beat back and beat like my wife says. When you start praying against the, the dark principalities, <laughs> you're standing up as a child of God and saying, I'm in the I'm standing in the gap. And some churches teach, be careful with that, right? But this is also why we're going to go to the scripture. Because you can either be a child of God who walks with the Spirit and has the power to call that down and cast out demons and have demons submit, not to you, but to the name of Christ. Or you can be the other people who are walking in tradition. Don't have love. And then when it comes down to it, you try to call, cast someone out, cast them out, and it doesn't work. Right? Can y'all hear me? Yes. Okay. God did it true. <laughs> hello, hello. Holy Spirit, I need your help. I know you can work in all things and put electronics. The sons of Sceva were deliverance ministry, right? They were casting out demons and things like that, right? They heard about what Paul was preaching in the name of Jesus and said, we can do that. That's something new, right? That's a new teaching, that's a new group, that's a new life, this and that. I can use that in my ministry and people are going to gather for that, right? Because it's the next hip thing. It's a new trend. It's a new TikTok thing I've seen, right? Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits tried and tried to invoke the name of Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I've heard of, but who are you? That's the last thing I want to hear when I'm praying about you. That's the last thing I want to hear when I'm praying for healing for you. That's the last thing I want to hear when I'm in deliverance and I'm in a place of spiritual warfare and the demon spins around and looks at me and says, who are you? Right? 
The man who had the evil spirit jumped on and on him and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. One man filled with evil spirits beat up, stripped down, and scared seven men because they had no love. They seen it as common. They seen it as something they could acquire, something they could buy, something they could attain by going to a class. And I'm sorry if I'm hitting some nerves right now, but the, the word should catch the series, Javon Jomero, right? I'm going to join this, this online ministry that teaches me how to prophesy. I'm going to join this online class that teaches me how to speak in tongues. God ordains these things. He says that his gifts are irrevocable. Not man. Now, can we pray giftings over one another? If moved by the Spirit? Yes. Paul says that we can pray giftings over one another. And give giftings, right? This is iron chopping iron. If I'm around someone who prophesies and God's called me to prophecy, I probably need to get close to that person, right? And we see that with Elijah and Elisha. Elisha, Elijah came and threw his cloak over him, which is basically saying, You're called to follow me, right? Elisha didn't say, Well, yeah, I got this going on, though, right? What about my job? What about my family, what they think? Right? Elisha said, okay. And in fact, he went home and burned all of his equipment that he used for his living. When God calls you, as he's called everyone here, we got to burn our past life. The things that we depend on. My business that God's given me, at any moment, he can take it. And it's a yes. If tomorrow... He gives me the word and says, give this business to someone, I'll sign it up with him right then. Because there is nothing that God can't give that he won't give again. We see that in Job, right? These sons didn't have the love. This is why it's important. Our faith, our walk, our heart for people has to have love. Or we are not going to be able to be the mighty church that God called them in time. We're going to be a people that fall on the wayside. We're going to be the grain, the seed that the birds come and pluck and take away. I don't want y'all to be that seed that's strangled out by thorns. Beautiful plants growing and getting ready to produce fruit. But they allow the thorns and the pricks of the world to destroy it. But if we base ourselves in love, we base ourselves in Christ. And we understand that he is the branch. He, he is the tree and we're the branches and, and the leaves and everything that comes out of that. And we act in love. Great and mighty things will happen. You can do nothing on your own. But anybody here, moved by the Spirit, there is everything you can do. God says you can do nothing apart from me. Jesus, right? I love, I love this church. I love the emotion and the feeling. Y'all have something good here. Scripture says don't scoff at humble beginnings. Right? So what if there's a thousand people church down the road? So what if there's a mega preacher on TV that's got millions? Right? 
Maybe they're preaching it right, maybe they're not. We'll see their fruit, right? But here, whether it's one or one million, all it takes is one Holy Spirit. What y'all are doing here is creating sacred ground. Yeah, but I struggle with this and I struggle with that. <laughs> Peter cut a guy's ear off. Moses killed the guy and tried to hide the body. And then when he was talking, he seen another Jew talking to another guy. He almost killed that guy. So it wasn't like it was one relapse. He almost had two. And the reason he didn't, because the man said, are you going to kill me like you did the other guy? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I struggle with addiction. And, you know, and I can do these things for God and pray for spirit, but then an hour later I'm doing this. Peter was called Satan by Jesus. Imagine that. Walking with God among us. And you're loving and saying, you can't go do this. And he looks at you and says, get away from me, devil. How would that affect you? How well would that go nowadays? <laughs> we get offended if someone farts sideways. How much more the Son of God calling you Satan? And did that mean that Peter was Satan? Did that mean that Peter was condemned to do bad things the rest of his life? Did that mark him? No. It was in that moment that he allowed Syria. Right? And Peter was somebody who was quick to anger, made hasty decisions, right? But he was fervent. He had a fire. And God seen that and said, I'm going to teach you how to contain that. I'm going to teach you how to turn that blaze you have that is burning trees everywhere into a controlled fire. That way you can draw a line that the enemy cannot cross. When the fires of hell come, I've already called you, Peter, to ignite that line so that fire stops right when it hits there. This man went on to start the church that the tongues came down and people heard voices and things in their own language when he was speaking something different. Filled with the Holy Spirit. The same man Jesus called Satan. What has the world called you? How many things have your families and brothers told you? But what has Jesus called you? What are you called to do? Who are those you've locked arms with? Right? You need people to exhort you. You need people to raise you up. Peter denied Christ three times. And I don't know why God's got on Peter right now, but we're going to roll it. Is this hitting home for anybody? Three times Peter denied Christ. The Son of God. He's about to go die for everyone. Give his life up. Lay it down. And this is the moment the guy that said, I will never leave your side. Says, I don't know who that is. I've had people do that to me. Turn on me in my time of need. And Jesus says, I share in your sufferings. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. If I suffered, you're going to suffer. Right? Three times he denied him. 
Exactly as Jesus told him. After this, Peter goes back to the left. All in, fishing. Right? How many times have we been destroyed by family members? A cousin that had some harsh words to say to us? They may not know that they affected us, so it cuts deep, right? And then we go back to the things that we went through. Because one person questioned us. And when we go back to the Garden of Eden, that's Satan's oldest spot. He didn't force Eve to do anything. He asked a question. We did the rest. Right? If you are grounded in love, and you have surrounded yourself with a body of people that are believers and love and care for you, when that serpent comes and says, did God really say, you have a brotherhood and sisterhood behind you will stand up and say, yes, God did. Even if you can't. Who we want arms with is very important. Fellowship, right? If you struggle with someone, get around someone who don't. And you're going to feel convicted. As soon as they're not cussing at you, are, you're going to I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> you know? But that's iron sharpening iron. We read that scripture, but do we put it in application? We know that God says, without love, you can do none of this. But do we understand what that looks like? What does it look like to walk through life and have love in the church and not be traditional? Right? We can look to TikTok, we can look to Facebook, we can look at what other churches are doing. But it's funny to me that we're so quick to look everywhere else to see how to do things rather than scripture. God laid it out. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. When I had no food and water, you gave me food and water. When I had no clothing, you clothed me. Jesus, what are you doing in this If you do it for anyone who loves you, you've done it for me. That is the love that causes revelations, moves of spirits. Spirit. That is a love that confounds and starts a church and plants a seed that grows and rearranges mountainscapes. That is a love that takes your pastor of this church and makes him a fire to continue pushing forward even though everything's pushing against him. That is a love that motivates you to go reach in that toilet and clean it because no one else wants to. We're going to hit on that too. What is service about? A lot of people say, well, I don't know what my gifting is. <laughs> I don't know what God called me to. I struggle hearing his voice. Read scripture. That's one way. The more you know scripture, the more you know his voice. The one thing God's revealed to me in my life, and I'm not preaching that, I'm preaching with you. Lance, if you served more, you would have those things. When you're at the feet of someone else, you'll know who I am. Because where was Jesus at? The feet of everybody. He can't be served, not be served, Scripture says. Right? If you want gifts, and you want to prophesy to the nations, but you refuse to clean a toilet, you might need to check a heart. 
You, res- you refuse to see a need in the church and walk away from it with a blind eye and say, that's not my problem. <laughs> you just make someone else. There is a man or woman now that God has to raise up and clean that toilet because you were supposed to. There ain't no glory in that. What am I going to get out of it? Wrong heart. Right? What if someone comes in there? Now I'm just saying some other stuff. What if someone comes in there and because that toilet's not clean, they slip and fall? What if because that toilet's not clean, a little baby girl comes in to go to the bathroom and she puts her hands on pee? You could have stopped that by just serving where God asked you to. The scripture says, if I can trust you a little, I'll trust you even more. To whom much is given, much is required. Right? But God, you just asked me to come to the toilet. You don't know that 10 years from now, I'm going to ask you to speak to a nation. But since you won't clean the toilet for me, I'm going to go ahead and close that out for you. That way it's not a burden to you. Because I see how much a burden cleaning a toilet is. Right? Again, I'm not seeking down to you. These are things in my life that God seeks to me. I think I'm walking with God through good until we talk. <laughs> and I mean, like, really sit down and talk. Not me just praying. When I sit down and talk, God will say, hey, dude, you're leading people. You're on fire. You're igniting homes around you. I'm sending you into the dry wilderness and you are creating beautiful gardens for me. But why do you keep turning back to the sin? That's what I have against you. Now, I want to talk about that, and we're going to. And I have to sit with that and realize all this doesn't matter if I'm still planning this, if I'm still holding this, if I still refuse to give you this. Right? Y'all have a beautiful church here. And I see, I see so much possibility. And I'm not talking about growth in the church. I'm not talking about just turning into another church. I see so much growth and possibility in the Spirit of God making this a consecrated dwelling place. To when Texas succeeds or doesn't succeed. When the nation falls apart. When the financial system takes our money and says we can't get it back because we need it for Whatever the excuse is, whatever comes, we know in the end time things are going to happen like this, right? This is a place where people can come and sacred, holy ground and find God in their time of need. The same way that you found Him in your time. And if this right now is the time that you're finding Him, let it be today that you look at heaven and say, I want to be a part of that family. Get past me. I may not talk well, I may not act well. I may not say the things that people want me to say. Get past me. Look at Christ. Make this the day that you start seeding what it is that he planted in you before the foundation of this earth is laid. You each have a calling. No matter how young or how old, you have a calling. And that seed was planted by the Father and God of this universe not to be wasted. And if ain't no one going to water it in you, I will. 
It needs to be water. Because your ministry, your healing, your love could be what keeps this place from becoming tormented by demons and time. Could be what keeps this place from straying people from God when he says many will come and draw you away. Even the elect, if it's possible. So all the pastors and preachers that are high and right and think, I'm good, I just preach in my congregation, watch yourself, pride comes before fall. Y'all have that opportunity. You have the love. I see amazing love in the prayer room. I see people who have changed their lives and said, I am doing something different. I am making changes. I am breaking generational curses. But what about the person next to you that's not going to do that? You speaking and talking about that openly, you, young man, gives me the heart to look at my life and say, I there's things I need to break off generation. James 5.16 is one of my favorite verses that's on that back wall. This is meant, this is meant to be. <laughs> it says, Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. The prayers of a righteous person hold power and work. You can pray all day long. And you can say, I command this demon to leave. My finances will be blessed. Prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel. All those things. But if you're not confessing your sins to someone else, if you're not openly saying this is what I'm struggling with and I need help, none of that's going to matter. If I got a child with a teen in the corner and he comes up and says, I want a car to run around me, why? What did you do over there, Nathan? Pretty sure I seen you do something over No, no, I didn't. Why am I going to give you something that you're going to lie and do more damage with later? Right? Versus a child over here that was definitely peeing all over the corner. I say, hey, what are you doing over there? I peed in the corner. Should have done Sorry. Let's be better. Right? Let's be better. And then without me realizing it, because he's not asking for it because he doesn't have a heart for that, he gets blessed with part of this. Right? Our pursuit in God will open doorways and pathways we can't. But if we don't have the love, nothing else matters. So I want y'all to go forward in your week, in your day, and pronounce that love to one another. Make it weird. You know, another person walk up and say, you know, I love you. That may be the beginning of a beautiful friendship that lasts three years now. And y'all will have that beautiful testimony of all it took was I love you. You can trauma one. The world does that very often. I've been through this, they've been through this. That's why we communicate the love here, right? So if you can trauma bond over bad things to one another, why can't you love bond over something good? Right? Be weird. Who cares? Scripture says we're a peculiar people. That's weird. We're weird people. The world thinks we're weird. And when you start openly saying, I love you and I care about you in church, some of the members think you're weird too. But that's also going to be a crossing forward to be weird with you and not be weird along the side. Right? When it comes to the alcohol, do you want me to do that with you? How do you want to do that? Yeah? So, 
I know we spoke about this earlier. I don't care if you've come to the altar ten times. And this altar ain't about me. I remember when I first started coming to church, I was like, oh, Pastor just wants me to go up there and worship him. <laughs> and he wants to bow down to him. Do it in the Do it at the altar. Do it whenever God calls you to. Preferably don't throw snakes at each other and around, but whatever God calls you to. But don't let this moment pass. There might not be a way. We're not promised tomorrow, Scripture says. What if this is your moment to meet God, the creator of the universe, and you sleep on that because you're too busy planning to come? You're too busy thinking about what you're going to do this. What are people going to think? They're going to think you're broken. I'm broken. I go to the altar many times. Church, other church that I attend at, I go to the altar for a lot of obstacles. Because I am not broken. I'm a Peter. I have problems. I have issues. If I'm put in the right situation, I can very much not lose my temper and go back to where I was. And that's why I need Jesus. I need that altar. It's not about the good. It's not about the people. It's about looking at God and saying, I see that man. I need you. I need you right now. If it's 20 times you have to come to that altar, let it be 20 times. Don't miss that opportunity. Well, I'm already saved. I'm good. Get up there. Because if you can't hit this altar, you ain't going to hit the one better. If you don't like what I'm preaching, you ain't going to like what I'm sending <laughs> You know? Let's give that to God. So right now, I'm going to let them do the music or whatever. I'm not sure how the church is here. I admonish you, come up here. Come up here and give that altar call. What's an altar call? What's that look like, right? Get it done. Pray. Hey, God, I'm struggling with this. I need you. I, I, I submit this to you. I'm giving it to you because I can't handle it anymore. And it's like the last time the Bible says next day is the day of salvation. That's what baptism is. It's a reminder of that. And so uh, if you're here today and you say, you know what, I've never surrendered my life to the Lord, but I think, I think today's the day. I think right now is the moment. We want to encourage you to do it. The Bible is very clear, man. You gotta believe in your heart, openly declare with your mouth, repent, turn from your ways, and the Lord says that you will be saved. It's that simple. That you can spend eternity with Him in heaven. That you don't have to question what happens when you die. But it all starts with you saying, you know what? Thank you for joining us today, listening to Lubbock Unified LUC messages on the go. As always, we invite you to join us in person Sundays at 1030, also on Wednesdays at 630, or catch us online, Lubbock Unified, on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple, whatever your listening desires are, we would love to connect and for you to be part of the family. So let's do life together, and let's keep seeking the Lord. God bless.